Today's big question, why are men not going to college? I talk about women on this show a lot. I am a woman. Those topics interest me. But more than once now, I've received a comment online or in person asking, when are you going to do a show about men? And I thought, you know what? You're right. It's about darn time, isn't it? I love men. And for all the woes that women are experiencing under progressivism, men have been getting the short end of the stick for way too long. Men and boys are being told they're oppressors. They're asked to leave space for women by participating less in school. They're told they're too loud or too aggressive, but also simultaneously not manly enough. It's a confusing and strange world for men, especially on college campuses. So young men are finally saying, I'm out and not going to college. And I can hardly blame them. Colleges increasingly hate men. Why go into debt for that? Hey everybody, I'm Michaela. I'm your host here to give you the compassionate and conservative argument to America's most debated questions. I'm here in the Shamrock Media studio powered by Shamrock Media Solutions with our producer, Chacha. Hey. Hey. I was just looking at us, Cha, thinking about the evolution that we've gone through since we first started the show of how we dress and how we sit when we do the show. (laughs) When we recorded the first episode, I was in a white suit jacket, lipstick, And I was sitting up so straight and I just looked at myself. I'm in a t-shirt. I'm sitting with my knees up. My hair's up in a bun. You look pretty good. Thanks. I did come from work. (laughs) You you look good. But I was just laughing at that. And we both have our, I have my Outwater, which you'll have to listen back to past episodes to know what that is. (laughs) Cha has her Starbucks. (laughs) And we're just laughing. We're so casual. So, and you just heard Cha sipping that coffee maybe. (laughs) So. I really did want to do an episode about men. We, we do genuinely get those comments a lot saying, okay, you, you put a lot of things through the lens of womanhood, which I do because that's an easy natural lens. News because flash. <laughs> we are women. <laughs> but I do want to talk about men's issues because they're totally, important and absolutely. I love men. I lo- In fact, before this, Cha and I were making wedding invitations for, I love, I love men so much I'm going to marry one right. is what I'm saying. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So John and I were making my wedding invitations before this. So that's how much I love men. Right. And Shaw already did marry yeah, one. A couple years ago. So <laughs> we're really in it for the men thing. Right. But I want to set the stage a little bit about what I'm talking about when I say that men are not going to college. Because the question is, why aren't they going to college? Well, first, I have to prove to you that they're not going to college. So here's the trend. So according to the USA Today editorial board in a September 15, 2021 article, so pretty recent, they said, quote, this fall, women outnumber men on two-year and four-year college campuses by millions. Nearly 60% of students are women, while only 40% are men, an education gap that's been widening for decades. I'm still reading. The problem has become even more acute as total enrollment has fallen by more than a million students over the past five years. The Wall Street Journal reports that men accounted for 71% of that decline. A half century ago, the numbers were almost exactly opposite, with men making up 60% of incoming freshmen. End quote. So, right now, higher education is a girl sport. And the question is, why is that? That's what we're going to answer first. Why? And then what do we do about it? Do we need to do anything about it? Yeah. All of those questions. So why? Well, in many ways, universities are a toxic environment for men. Let's break down some of the ways why. The first one is toxic masculinity. This is a phrase that is showered on men now, and they're taught to be concerned about their masculinity it's almost like they're taught there's something innate in them that is very very bad and they have to be on the watch for it I said this if you have a problem 
especially on a university campus, if you blame it on a man, someone will sympathize with you. Even if you just made it up, somebody will sympathize with you. If you say, I had bad pizza at the dining hall and it's because of the patriarchy, there is somebody on that campus that will tell you how that that is so, so so true. true. Or I didn't get the grade that I wanted to get in class and maybe I didn't even study but I didn't get the grade I wanted to get in class and they say well it's probably because of the systematic Uh, oppression of the patriarchy yes of course if not you would be successful exactly so if you have a problem blame it on a man the fact that you think that success is is derived from your grade is is because of the patriarchy yes of course I actually heard that in college I'm sure you did I was so at our university Chan and I both went to the same university Coastal Carolina University and go shots <laughs> and shots up. up we were the our university mascot is the mythical rooster the chanticleer from the canterbury tales we used to not be good at sports but now we kind of are but when we weren't good at sports it made more sense because yeah. we were a mythical rooster i said right. we're more of an arts and humanities kind of school <laughs> okay so do you did you do this exercise we both had a professor who taught women and gender studies and some classes we had to take in our major. Yeah. I didn't take a women and gender studies class. I don't even remember what class this applied, applied theater. theater. Thank you. And we had to do an exercise where everyone's, all the students started standing in a line. And the professor said, every time I say something that applies to you, you have to take a step forward. And then she would say things like, I am a man. I am cisgender. I am white. I grew up with two parents, et cetera, so on, so on. Mm-hmm. And then you would look at where you fell and how far ahead you were and how many steps ahead you were. And that was supposed to represent how far, much further ahead in life. you Well, were. also how much of a participant in the oppressor oh, class right. that you are. And if you were a male, especially if you were a white male, you found yourself you found yourself many steps ahead and that would single you out as the ultimate oppressor, the arch oppressor, if you will. And from there, it's just all self-consciousness, but it's packaged and sold on the university campuses as maturity and as self-awareness. This is what they're telling men. But really, it's the idea that before I say or do anything, I should consider the various intricate layers of oppression that I represent just by existing and then factor that into what I do or if I do anything at all. You got to just put yourself in that situation and think how awful that would be to try to navigate life while considering the vast levels of oppression you represent outside of what you even do that is just placed on you. I mean, intersectional theories are the bread and butter of a university campus. And these theories put men, again, especially white men, as especially straight oppressor. white men, yeah. as the peak oppressor, yeah, the arch oppressor. Absolutely. So toxic masculinity on campuses is is taught and expressed all the time. Can you imagine what it would feel like to walk around a college campus as a man when almost every professor, every student, every club is telling you that just your mere existence is oppressive to everybody there. Just you taking up space is preventing other people from taking up space because you represent some kind of historical systemic oppression. That That's the kind of self-consciousness yeah. they're having to deal with. Can you even imagine that? That no, sounds I, so terrible. It does sound so terrible. And honestly, you wonder why, um, and, and this was out, to th- this was in 2017. So I haven't looked at the numbers since, but um, suicide among college students in 2017, because mm-hmm. this is when I researched it, yeah. was up like 23%. Uh, it was it was in the 23%. It was 23 point something. Um was 23%. Per- wow. And most of it was male. <sighs> and and at that. the time I wasn't thinking about this issue, but Sure, cuz we were drinking from the tea of intersectional ideology. We were. We were, we were talking about this the other day in the yeah. car about how you and I can't believe what we Some participated things, in yeah. in college. Absolutely. Ugh. Um and glad that we woke up from it. Thank but, God. God's but I'm good. thinking all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that um, we could, I'm sure if, if I researched more now, but that some of these, 
these men are just feeling if you tack on that you are like the ultimate oppressor and there's nothing you can do about and it there's by nothing the way. you can do about it and just your like you said your mere existence you, you the fact that you even have space taking up space taking up time and energy in this room is in oppressive. this universe is oppressive to someone who maybe has some mental health challenges or self-esteem challenges like to to espouse that you're so open and like wanting to be there for people or be loving kind loving tolerant and, right tolerant tolerant is the word i was looking for you want to being so tolerant um and mental health challenges in ages 18 and this is something I've, I've known since about 2020 when i had to do some research for my other job um in mental health challenges um diagnosed mental health challenges whether it's anxiety depression mpd whatever it is what's mpd multiple, multiple personality, personality disorder. disorder okay which is now did disassociative identity, identity disorder, disorder. Anyway. but um those things have also increased in the last five years yeah yes yeah um and and you're saying it might be related to being taught well, these intersectional yes, ideologies th- this of oppression cultural idea that you are either the oppressed or the oppressor. Yeah, and that's you're stuck that way for right. the rest and of your life. And that is just what you are. I mean, and for both. And that your circumstances are your reality and that's unchangeable, that you are a victim uh, or you are making others the victim of their circumstances. These are kind of the options that are laid out to people at a university level, at least in my university. And from reading other people give their accounts of their time at a university, this is happening at universities all across the country that people are taught you're one of these two groups and most men are taught that they most men yeah are taught that they are part of the oppressor class and that they need to consider the fact that they by existing could be considered dangerous violent aggressive etc it's not a good place to be basically it's not a good place to be for men so i think that the phrase toxic masculinity and the belief that masculinity and its attributes are and can be toxic is toxic for men on yeah, campus. Absolutely. So I think that's one of the reasons they're pulling out. Why would you, why, again, I said this in my intro, why would you go into debt to learn that you stink? Yep. That's such a wor- waste of your money. So here's another thing. Did you have anything you want to say about toxic no. masculinity? I, I mean, no, no. <laughs> well, I think toxic masculinity is an unfair phrase, by yeah, the way. Absolutely. I think it puts people in a box and it divides people unnecessarily. And one of the things that I say, and I've said on this show, that it is most important that we tell people the truth about the possibilities of their life. I yeah. think that toxic masculinity teaches men a lie about themselves, that they are a way they can, and that they're stuck that way, and that they were born in a way that is just oppressive and that they have mm-hmm. to I, 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 yeah. I don't think it teaches people the truth about their lives right. or about the world in general so I don't like that phrase right I think that it's hurtful it is very hurtful if someone and said toxic femininity I'd be that would hurt my feelings and absolutely. I know men are walking around saying well maybe some are that this hurts my feelings but men are expressing a sense of injustice that this yeah. is unfair well and and on the other hand I think that there are times when men and women are expressing their toxic masculinity or toxic femininity but it is not it is not inherent that they can't get away from i think that oh, i would challenge you even further on that that i don't think i think there are toxic behaviors and they're yeah, not masculine right. or feminine, feminine at all it's just toxic I was, it's yeah. just like it's not a masculine right. behavior to punch somebody in the face unless they're doing something wrong then that is a bit of a ma- and fighting is a masculine behavior and as far as that they're more aggressive and that has been really very useful for us throughout all of human history yeah. we have needed men to fight and they have and that's one of the reasons we have such a peaceful society right, right. now but like being some people are saying like oh well you're mean that's toxic masculinity. Well, that just assumes that meanness is a form of masculinity. That's just a form of a poo-poo headness. Right. It's just a human condition. <laughs> Whatever, I can't come up with right. a word. Yeah, it's it, just yeah. a human condition. Just, yeah. I think there are things that are more masculine and more feminine. Oh, duh. That I are totally to- believe that, like, in that. Like the siren, the trope of the siren. Or that girls are catty. Yeah. Which yeah. is true. Which is true. But anyway, <laughs> yes. So I think that there are uh, toxic... But behaviors we, we, we specifically do. have singled out masculinity and it has not been yeah, to anyone's benefit. It hasn't benefited anyone, women right. or men. Nobody has benefited by this. Yep. It's just made the divide between men and women even greater, yep. which is not useful because we have 
to work like together. We need each other. We, have, we need each other. <laughs> right. Literally. Okay. So another reason that I posit that men are not going to college anymore. And also this is not just Michaela musing, by the way. I used multiple sources as always researching this. Pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> we should cut that, but we're not going to. I burped. <laughs> Whoops. There's that, there's that toxic, toxic masculinity. masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking I can burp anywhere I want right. to. Jeez Louise. Oh man. Okay. So this isn't just Michaela musing. I've researched at a lot of places. I was, I'll give you some of my sources for a lot of these things, but I, I was reading thing on thing on thing, some accounts for men at co- accounts for men who dropped out of college and they all came together. And these few things I'm going to tell you about, and there's likely more. So the next one I want to talk about is sexual assault hmm. on college campus. Okay. So at the university level, in an effort to protect the victims of sexual assault, universities have enacted policies that strip the accused, which is typically men, the person who is accused of doing the assault, it strips them of due process. Due process is the idea that you are innocent until proven guilty. On a college campus, even if someone is falsely accused, an accusation of sexual assault will likely ruin your entire college experience, Absolutely. career opportunities in the future, and probably follow you your entire life. Yeah, this is actually really, really quick on this specific point Please. is in 2017. I'm bringing 2017 up. Because that's for, when we were in college? It, well, it was the year that I did um, with Applied Theater. I did the, oh. the how about this party, but the not, you know. Anyway. So Cha did what she's talking about is um, on our campus, they had a program for incoming freshmen about sexual assault on campus sexual, and Cha was part yeah, of it. Sexual uh, assault, binge drinking and, yes. and violence. And it was called How About it That wasn't, Party? It, it oh no, that's be, what it was called yeah. when we came in. All right, we digress. Um, but the anyway, point is Cha yeah. worked on that project. So that's why I keep referencing 2017. Okay. I haven't researched it since then. But in 2017, um, a being accused of sexual assault which as you mentioned is mostly men are being accused or of assault Mm -hmm. um in sexual assault specifically what i was researching is that regardless of um guilt whether they were guilty or not guilty 80 percent of the time the powers that be whether it was the university or a judge or if it went criminal or whatever 80 percent of the time the law like it's sided with the victim yeah. yeah. 80, 80% of the time. It, well, because in a, a, in a your word versus my word on the university campus, if you are accused of sexual assault on the university campus, due process has been flipped on its head. Yep. They assume that you're right. guilty and you have to prove your innocence. I mean, this is the opposite of how justice was set up in our nation. Right. And just the university have created their own way of dealing with these issues. And it's deeply unjust to the accused who are typically men on college campuses and the risk is just too great for these guys it's just too great there are way too many men who have come forward who were falsely accused or so they claim and we also have reason to believe that and they have gotten their lives ruined because the campus policies are not protecting them and it wasn't an attempt to solve a real issue sexual assault is a real issue and and, and, and predominantly carried out by, by men, men. Yeah. right? So that that is that is real, and it's an issue worth solving. But in an attempt to do that at the university level, they've created an entirely new issue, yeah. which is the relationship, romantic, even friendship environment at universities is very treacherous for very. men. It is deeply treacherous. We're getting to the point at a university level if a woman feels she was assaulted we label it assault Mm -hmm. and it is different feeling that you were assaulted and having been assaulted are are two different things not that it invalidates your experience but that you the system of justice yeah the system of justice can't predicate on us on the victim's feelings or on one of the members of this event's feelings it's un it's unjust it is actually unjust and we aren't on the university level, confirming the facts of these situations. I'm going to read something from USA Today again. This was by Glenn Harland Reynolds talking about how this relates to Title IX as well. Quote, Title IX is supposed to promote sexual equality, but in fact it has turned into a club with which to beat male students. 
Universities treat accusations of sexual misconduct against male students disproportionately, though they don't like to admit it, minority male students, as presumptively true. The accuser is given all sorts of help and deference. The accused is treated as a criminal from day one and often not allowed to call witnesses, cross-examine his accuser, or otherwise enjoy the sort of due process that, say, a university administrator would demand if accused of a crime. End quote. Right. This is true. This is happening. Yep. It's almost not worth the risk for men and especially men who are interested in pursuing romantic relationships at the university level. And again, we don't want this to protect people who are actually assaulting people, but we do not want to falsely accuse and justify the accusation of somebody who's been falsely accused by asking them to leave the university. I think a lot of times what happens at the university level is that the liability is too great for them to maybe keep somebody there that maybe did it. So instead of innocent to right. proven guilty, they assume guilt, guilt. because of the yeah. liability of the university it's itself. Risk, yeah, risk versus reward and it's too risky to even have a They just don't want to mess with it. And right. and I understand it's a horrible thing and it's you don't want to it's a sensitive thing and I I don't think that title nine was started because people wanted to make life worse for men on college campuses i don't know that for sure i should look into it more i don't think so though i do think that a lot of these initiatives were started in good faith to respond to this sexual assault that was happening on campus predominantly to women but i think now that we're seeing what's happening we need to reevaluate because there's too many stories that are coming out and not being given enough attention. It's yeah. a hard place. Can you imagine being falsely accused as a man or a woman of sexual assault and then coming forward and nobody believing you? Because the fact is, there are going to be malevolent people of both sexes, men and women. And women are highly capable, like men, of lying. And men need to be protected just like women do all students need to be protected and this is not working and so for men i think that's one of the reasons it's just not worth the risk for them at this point speaking of title nine another factor in this is that title nine brought some well did you want to add anything because you know a lot about campus sexual assault was there anything you wanted to add before i go on i'm sure there was i was thinking about something but i mean with oh oh yes I thought something interesting that came that came of some of the um, shows and some of the um, talkbacks that we had with. So the what she's talking class. about, just to catch you up, because we're speaking theater language right now, um, is what Chaw participated in was a performance. They had actors, and they would act out these different scenarios that involved binge drinking, sexual assault on campus, and they would do this to the incoming freshmen. They'd perform it for them. And then afterwards, they would discuss with the audience mm-hmm. what we, they saw. Yeah, themes and, of consent, themes of um, when, when to recognize that maybe your roommate is binge drinking or doing drugs and when to help. How so to it was out. a performance that Cha was involved in. Just catching everybody up because we're right. so artsy. So we're like, oh, yes, the performance in the talk back. <laughs> right. That's just not words um, normal people use. But the, well, the performances. But. Right. The students of this sh- um, after the sh- one of the shows. Um, it was a really robust conversation with these students. And, and honestly, although it was a bit artsy-fartsy, it did really break the ice to to talk to these 18, sometimes 17-year-olds about, hey, look, these are real issues that are going to happen here now. And we were um, almost a 75% commuter or out-of-state school, right? So these are kids who are coming far, far from home, mostly New Jersey, New York, um, up north places. That's when you true. say commuter school, you mean not commuter school like they're not living at home no you said it's either commuter or out of state so they live no. at home and come to school or they were from out of state so we were considered at again 2017 a commuter school so that means people were coming from another place to this school oh well commuter normally means <clears throat> that they're driving to school every day yes yes and which is true most of the students because the local students didn't live on campus because they couldn't so because we weren't allowed i i was a commuter so yeah. local and i was an out-of-state student right. so so you're either out of state or you're com- commuting okay so, so you said what you're trying to say yeah. i was just trying to clarify so um 
there are these these young kids so i do think that there was a lot of purpose in this but what we came to the interesting part here is that what we came to on one of these talkbacks with the students they were just kind of talking through consent and um this same professor and just kind of talking about perpetrators and um toxic masculinity and that most of the time it's men and and this one kid stood up he's like all right so what what like what are, uh, and it was in it it was all men or all women in the audience. So it, yeah, was, it was divided by segregated gender. Segregated by sex. Yep. And so this one kid stood up. He's like, all right, well, what are we supposed to do? Like, we can't, we can't say hi to them. We can't say you're really pretty because we just like had for 30 minutes talking about what could be construed. I as- know. It's gotten a little ridiculous though. Like some things it's like, if you hit on somebody just verbally and they don't like it's it, sexual, it could be considered assault. assault. I mean, that's just like well, and nuts. So that's the, that's the road we were going down. Oops, sorry. That's the road we were going down. And this, this gentleman brought up a really good point. And I'm, the, the point of what I'm saying is that the adults in the room didn't give him a good answer. They what was like, the question? He was like, what do we do then? So I'm not allowed to, like, I'm here at college. You know, I'm single. I'm, you know. I'm checking I, out the honeys. Yeah. Like, and he was Duh. very honest. You know, like. There's How some is good he supposed to pursue ha- yes. a woman? Yes. What is the proper way that he wouldn't have somebody bring a charge against him of sexual assault? I mean, it is wildly and, unfair. And he was told to have a contract. Oh, God. A written contract. To enter into flirting or enter anything i understand okay well so that's what i so i can see even back then it's like pass i think i'm gonna go to a trade school thanks right (laughs) like how how and and this was an auditorium of 400 men incoming college freshmen right who were at the bottom line of this whole session told like write a contract um how ridiculous like how ridiculous is that i think i don't know if that's find a contract to what the thing is we have we have muddied the waters of what is sexual assault on campus so that the true incidents of sexual assault might go unnoticed when somebody is having to deal with being accused of sexual assault because they hit on somebody at a party didn't even touch them and the girl wasn't into it i mean that's so right. unfair that that is purely yeah. like it was totally all subjective and yeah, arbitrary on the premise so at this at this session it was on the premise that if you make and, unwanted and also, it's the partner the potential partner not just the female okay so if you make unwanted <laughs> what advances at all not even verbally just, physically unwanted verbal how will you know that you come up and say basically i like you you're very pretty and you're like you just assaulted me i mean that's not and, and they use the hey mommy you sexy like that's and that okay so was like cons- cat calling yes it was okay but still that's it's still like, not it's assault very, right it's it's not so anyway i just want to throw that in there that, that it's this not is pleasant i don't like it right this is substantiated and and it makes sense it's not surprising to me that the numbers are such that men are leaving college in droves yeah it is the, the adults in the room don't even give them a good answer. Right. They said make a contract incoming 17-year-old. When you're thinking about going to flirt with somebody at a bar, walk up with a signed contract. I mean, it just doesn't even take real life into account, which I think is bizarre. I mean, I'm not making an argument that's saying you should make unwanted verbal advances for women. It's not going to work. They're not going to like it. Nobody's going to like no. it. It's not going to go but, well for you. But then to turn around and say, you've assaulted me. You should be kicked off this university campus. I mean, I'm not saying this... Just why wouldn't it happen? What in the rules would prevent that from happening? Maybe that's not happening, but we need protection to make sure that can't happen. I mean, if at a university level, it could be that a person, and this is the other thing too, sometimes people get consent and then they wish they hadn't given consent and that's still considered assault. And that's too confusing too, you know, and I understand you could still feel like you were assaulted and it could still be something that, that you need to go and really work through, but it's not fair to the person who's accused if they were in good faith not uh yeah it, it's know, very this murky. is muddy murky it's waters very murky. but i i do think right now we've swung too far in one yeah. direction mm-hmm. is all and we do need to find a balance and i hope that just privately men and women find a way to be respectful and chivalrous right. with each well, other I, I mean i don't like a cat call don't get me wrong it's demoralizing right. yeah but what do you you don't you don't immediately call for this person to be arrested or stoned in the in the square you're just like ugh, you're a creep bye yeah you know and and this is not to say to to use my flowery uh college language this is not victim blaming no it's not this is about in a normal right rape is not normal no 
assault is not normal, yeah. right? In a normal scenario where a guy maybe in a bar as a college student or on campus, like, hey, girl, you know, whatever. Hey, girl, you looking good. You want to come back to my place? Right. You're just like, no, thanks. And walk away. Right. And if they do nothing else, then it's like. That's fine. That's fine. Right. I mean, I I think that should be consistent with campus policies. I'm just not confident that it is. Right. And regardless, the other thing is we need to account for the fact that what if so-and-so is lying on either side? We just need to account for that. That's the whole point of innocent until proven guilty. You have to prove guilt, not prove innocence. Asking somebody who's accused to prove their innocence is counter to everything our justice system is about. Okay, we got to move on. But it it is a murky thing. and. I, I don't I have all that, the answers, yeah. but I don't think that the universities have all the answers. And I think the fact that they have swung so far in a, in one direction accounts for maybe why we're seeing men exit in mass the yeah. university yeah. setting because it's just a kind of confusing, treacherous. They're like, okay, I need to make a contract. I'm told I'm toxic. That's what we have so far. Right. You know, it's like, oh man, you got to really want to study something at this yeah, point to go. You got to really want it and you got to be so uh, managed and and aware to probably a point that is unhealthy yeah. to, to take all of these things correctly into account. I mean, the kind of person that walks around with a contract at a bar, and I'm not saying that's unhealthy. It's just you have to be a very specific, structured human being. And I'm not that specific right. and structured. Nobody's expected me to be that specific and structured. I think that'd be hard for me. Yeah. So Title IX also affects men on campus in another way, which is that it brought these kind of unforeseen challenges specifically for male athletes. Here's how. I'd never heard of this before. So traditionally, men participate in sports more than women. And this seems to be true even when women are given equal access and opportunities. They just seem to like it more than women statistically. Not that some women don't love sports. They do. But statistically, men seem to just vibe with it harder. Sports like football, which is a male sport, require many more athletes than almost any other sport. You just need a lot of people to play football. But Title IX requires this kind of sex-based equality that ends up limiting male access to sports in an effort to be equitable. Are you tracking what I'm saying? If you need an equal number of, of men right. and women and you don't get enough women, you have to lower the number right. of men potentially to focus on To keep equity. the ratio correct. Yeah, you got to keep it equitable. And... And this kind of equality does not add to anyone's thriving on any side. Because it not, it's not like that would add more opportunities for women. It's just they want to keep the the equality of outcome balanced. Which, you know, I'm not an equality of outcome fan because then it ends it up... Sense, right? Yeah, it ends up... Uh, it doesn't work. No. <laughs> That's the simple way to say it. So, more than 400 men's athletic teams have been eliminated as a result of universities needing to becoming more NCAA compliant and that's according to athleticscholarships.net and they were talking about this like what can we do can we make a special carve out for football that takes football into account because it takes so many more players how can we respond to this campus to campus to make sure we're not arbitrarily limiting men's access to sports which is a driving factor maybe for some men this is just a small one but that might play a part in it as well yeah okay this is one i really think plays a role This next heading on my notes is called the gender cleansing of boy behavior in kindergarten through 12th grade. Ooh, boy. There's a lot there. So I pulled a lot of this from a study, which was called New Male Studies. It's an international journal. It was the Australian Institute of Male Health and Studies. And this was published in 2017. I'm not going to read quotes from them, but that's where I got a lot of this information and these ideas And it turned me on to something I wasn't thinking about. So prior to the 1980s, 1990s, there was a concern that girls weren't learning well with boys in school. And now I'm talking about in grade school, K through 12. They were worried that girls just weren't learning well with boys. Boys, and I'm separating boys from men, boys tend to be more loud. They tend to be more assertive. They tend to be more aggressive. They take more risks. They interrupt more. And they learn by doing, and they really struggle to sit still. I mean, most kids do, but boys really do. School, as a result to the concern that girls weren't fitting in well in this environment, was feminized to accommodate 
the more gentle and the more cooperative nature of girls. And this is generally true. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. That I, I wouldn't have thought of it that way. So when you think that behaviors that define boyhood, they became punishable offenses when we adopted that's so true. zero tolerance policies. Boyhood became a punishable offense in school. It was zero tolerance, zero conflict, zero threatening language, zero agitation, zero noise, zero boisterous activity, so on, so on, so on. These are things that define boyhood and they help with their socializing. This is normal to a certain level. This is normal socializing for boys. So we're under socializing all of our boys and then being like, God, why are they so crazy? We're feminizing them. Yeah. And this meant in the 1980s 1990s when we adopted these zero tolerance policies to feminize school effectively this meant that boys were sent to the principal's office far more than girls because girls are generally more accommodating and more compliant which is why they do better in school a lot of times when the the system is set up for compliance and accommodating and cooperation girls thrive like that and you know this if you think about school grade school you know that's true the boys were kind of interrupting they were messing up the girls always did exactly what they were told not always you know there's always going to be these outliers but if you think in generalizations which is useful when you're trying to understand the world when you think in stereotypes which are useful when they're accurate and you're trying to understand the world that is generally true especially and i worked with um young kids Recently, actually, you and I both worked with young kids, and that's generally true. Girls are more interested in being accommodating. They're more interested in that, and boys are more interested in pushing back, taking Mm -hmm. risks, saying no, asking why, being aggressive. That's how they're learning. That's their personality. Right. And now we're seeing that, according to this journal that I'd referenced earlier, 90% of disciplinary problems in school are attributed to boys. 90%. And that is partially because boyhood is now considered improper at school. The traits that define boyhood are punishable, and that's why they're being punished at a statistically ridiculously higher rate. And this didn't only affect boys in the classroom. This feminizing of school also affected them at recess, at P.E., a really, really important time for kids, especially for boys. So the more aggressive boy games think dodgeball Mm -hmm. became banned competitive sports were replaced with cooperation games so we're used to play a competitive sport now you all play with that little what's that thing called the freaking thing that looks like a billow what's that what's that called a parachute like a parachute like you all play Mm. together you play for points together you cooperate which i'm i'm all about that but that is i'm a girl (laughs) gym teacher stopped keeping score this all caters to the sensibility of girls who prefer to cooperate instead of compete. Boys like to compete. And the boys, when this was feminized, even their outside time, the motivation was totally stripped from them. When they said you can't throw the ball hard at the other people because the girls can't handle it, which they can't. I hated dodgeball in school. Made me want to die. And when we switched to the like cooperative, like, I don't know, uh, playing all together kind of stuff. I mean, I'd rather have done like yoga, basically. (laughs) I didn't really like gym, but I was a girl girl a girly girl too and some girls are like i loved chucking at at balls at people's heads and i bet i know i'm sure and i know some of you and i know you exist and i'm not i recognize i see you as as they say and regardless though when dodgeball was banned then a lot of boys lost their motivation it was totally stripped from them and they couldn't focus their aggression and competition into their playtime because these right. are things that are can be channeled into something very productive. They're channeled very productive into sports, in fact, aggression and competition. These, what we consider to be masculine attributes, make them very good sportsmen. And that's great. And some women have those too, and that makes them good. I don't have to keep doing this. I'm, this is going to exhaust me if I keep saying, yes, and I know there's also women who account for this. Of course I know that. I know you personally. But generally. So school generally grade school became a girl thing right and boys could feel that so not surprisingly according to the university of michigan a study by the university of michigan the number of boys who said they disliked school rose 71 percent between 1980 and 2001 and that was when we started to introduce these zero tolerance policies and accommodate for girls in school 
it became a girly place. It became an emasculating place. Why would a boy even like that? So now 71% of them don't even like school. So why would you go to college? Because you already don't like school because you already feel like it's a place that's designed for, it's not designed for you. It doesn't accommodate for you. In fact, it, it tells you that the things that you naturally socialize doing are bad and punishable. And it asks you to basically be more like a girl, not to mention more and more the education system is dominated by women right. who are trying to raise boys up like girls and they learn differently. They need to learn differently. And that's a good thing. It They add value to our society when they get to learn the way that they are, be- the way that serves them best, right? which is different than the way that serves girls best, which is what they were reacting to. They were worried about the girls. I don't think we found the right answer there either. Maybe yeah. we need to separate it by sex. That is an interesting topic. I don't know if we'll ever really get to that point that we say, what if boys and girls were separated at certain times or in certain times in their development by sex? What if we did something like that? What if we even just find a better balance of the the more masculine and more feminine styles of teaching to accommodate for more people? I think there's something in that and we don't know what it is yet, but the, what we have currently is failing our boys K through 12. It's totally failing them and it's making them feel like failures actually. And what's interesting, actually, I just, I just looked it up to be, to make sure I knew the correct percentage, but I do know that since, um, the early two thousands and into the 1990s, the use of ADD and ADHD medication in young people, adolescents, has risen like crazy amounts. And so I looked, I just looked up what it was, and this is according to um, NIH. The National National Institute Institute for Health. Health. And according to this quick search, which I'm sure it's more, but I was certain it was going to be more, but um, in boys from, from, this is from 2005 to 2012, so in, in the subject field, ADHD medication in young boys rose 11%. Wow. Right? Because they're trying to stop being rowdy. De-boy them. Yeah. Yeah. So because as you were talking about that, okay, because I've always said like, why are we giving ADHD medication, ADD medication? Well, I don't know why we're doing that to kids anyway when they're in grade school. Like they can't sit still. It's like, well, they're six. Right. You know what I mean? I don't think you medicate. And that is is adults not uh, being lazy and not being willing to serve and understand the child where they are i'm not saying the child steers the ship we've talked about it's like this dichotomy where Mm -hmm. like in the whole discussion of gender the child steers the ship but in how you teach the child then the adults don't are are fully steering the ship without considering what is best for the child to learn probably our whole system needs to be rethought honestly because the sitting in school and prepping to take a test this is obviously not not working it's not as well as i mean there there are people um my fiance who i was talking about earlier his grandfather grew up working on a farm he is highly highly intelligent highly capable and 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 now and he wasn't educated in the way that we're educated so he did go to school to a certain i don't remember what grade um but he's extremely intelligent and now if somebody did that if we said oh man they worked on a farm and didn't go to school we'd think they're an idiot right because we have completely messed up how we understand intelligence and how we understand success in our lives we have just completely now we think you're more intelligent if you were able to sit down and pass more tests which is a compliance thing which would be why girls are better at it than boys by the way and it doesn't help us we don't really need more compliance we need more critical thinkers we need more innovators we need more people who are saying no who are asserting themselves that masculine energy is very important for innovation and to to squander it or to squash it in school is going to hurt us yeah it's going to hurt our um production yeah profitable labor (laughs) well yeah absolutely our production but it's our innovation all the things that have made america competitive unique and great yeah are going to be kind of watered down in school, which is not okay. And not to mention, I was talking about this before about how boyhood is a punishable offense, which that statement makes me very sad to think about being a boy in K through 12 now. Um, and, and some boys thrive. Okay, gotta stop doing that. I don't know, what is that called where our generation does that all the time where they're like, say a statement, they're like, I know this isn't always true. We're very accommodating. Oh, hey, I'm a girl. Okay, so not to mention, boys tend to by nature, develop literacy skills slower than girls. They're behind girls. And this gap is pretty much 
unaddressed until recently in Florida. They've started a group to study this and see how to account for this literacy gap for boys. So boys, some feel too far behind or that they're bad in school Mm. too early in the education and they're more likely to drop out or shift their focus to something they think they're good at, be it sports, be it trades, be it what have you, because they're like, I'm not quote good at school. And when you feel too young, totally demoralized about school, you're less likely to want to go and go to four, eight, 12 more years of it. That's not what they're looking for. And there's been this really big effort to involve girls in STEM, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. I know I went to a girls can engineer camp and I loved it, by the way. It was all girls and we did all this cool stuff. We built clocks and TVs and circuits and it was sick. And it's been very successful, these efforts to get girls in STEM. But for boys in literacy, there really hasn't been enough work or the same kind of push to get boys into reading, which would be books that they like to read, when they like to read, how they like to read, why they like to read. Those kinds of studies, we're not quite there yet, but I think we're starting to wake up to the fact that we need to do something about this. Well, and it's about time because I've always thought, this is such a side note, but I'll be fast. I've always thought that it was very odd that there were scholarships for STEM subjects, there were more um, more people who are interested in helping men and women go into STEM, but not into the humanities. And uh, I get the whole overarching part of that, but also we're not a well-read generation. No, we're not a well-read generation. And like that really matters because yeah, we does. don't... And, and one part, this is a whole other thing, but one part that really we can really tell is history. Oh my gosh. We don't, some people don't even, it's not, we don't understand human nature because we don't read the classic books throughout history to realize that human nature doesn't change. And that's a reading issue. That's a history issue. And that's fact, that's history and fiction. We're missing. When you go back and read the Bible, when you go back and read an ancient Greek play and you realize the people are making the same shoddy decisions that we make today. Right. They're falling into the same traps. They have the same joys, the same vices even. Yep. That changes the way that you look at the world. That changes the way you consider the possibilities of your life, which you know I think is important. And that changes how you think the future will unfold right. and how you will prepare for the future. So not being a well-read generation is actually a very big issue. Yeah, it's super, super sad. Um, and, and unfortunately, I think for our age, people and above, um, it's just sort of, oh, well, we've missed it. But I hope to this we point start to address that, this. That, like, as you were saying, I think we're addressing the literacy issues. Among I think classical education everybody. making this renaissance this rebirth is going to address that in some ways that people are returning to the classics and asking for a more rigorous education system anyway yeah all over the map to say yeah i think i think we are seeing a little bit waking up towards literacy issues and and helping well and we we are starting to realize that what we're doing in school isn't working for boys yeah it's failing boys we need to rethink it we need to rethink it Another possibility, though, so these are all reasons that maybe boys either they don't want to go because it's not worth the risk because they're taught that they're toxic because maybe they feel that school is not for them and maybe it's not for them even. The other possibilities, yes and, is you got to ask yourself, are these men on to something? So most articles I read discuss that men not going to college is a huge problem. And they're like, how do we get these men back in college? What do we do? I want to read you a little bit from the American conservative. I almost never read conservative sites on this. I realized that when I put this in, (laughs) he had an article about why are men not going to college? Basically answering the question. This is by Lewis M. Andrews, and it was published in the American conservative. And he had some ideas about why they're not going to college. It made me think, oh my gosh, these men might know something that these, that we don't as women yet. Let me read it. These are, he was laying out, let me just set the stage a little better. He was laying out why aren't men going to college? And he gave one, two, three, four. This is called political future one and political future two. So he was saying political future could be one of the reasons men aren't going to college. It says, just over 40 years ago, President Ronald Reagan ushered in a low-tax revolution, which made it possible for better educated people not only to get higher-paying jobs, but to keep and enjoy the financial fruits of their labor. 
But between society's current need to pay down the COVID-juiced federal debt and the rise of progressive thinking in the Democratic Party, the probable tax burden on high earners has clearly diminished what ambitious workers can expect to receive for their labors. This development may not be as important to women, for whom the ability to earn a prestigious career title is still a historic novelty. But believing that some future progressive government will always provide them with at least a comfortable lifestyle, many young men may feel it's not worth the educational effort required to achieve their shrinking financial reward. Let's stop there. There's a lot in that. Basically, what he's saying is that men are saying, I see that the government is going to... If I achieve, if I succeed, the government's going to take it from me. Yeah. I've been de-incentivized. Right. So I'm just not going to do I'm it. I'm just not going to do it. Right. And in a way, that's a kind of work smarter, not harder. Yeah. But of course, this is the issue when you de- when you over-regulate and de-incentivize business regulation and general success. You're going to see less of that, which is, is a problem. And men might be responding to that first because yeah. they see what's coming and what is even the fact that everyone everywhere is talking about how terrible the rich are it's like why want to well i don't want to be that i don't want to be that i'm already or they're like toxically masculine right it's like god could i get any worse (laughs) (laughs) but but seriously it's like you know what's the point of innovating if i am going to if all of my incentive structure is torn down right basically like i Oh, that that is the whole argument for capitalism by the way is that people are saying in general people are maybe evolutionarily going to pick the easiest path and so we <laughs> which is true right and we do that you can see that by how we uh, for example like now that we have uh backup cameras nobody turns their head when they back right. up just they don't because you work smarter not harder that's one of the reasons we're so successful but it can also be our demise if the government starts to mess up the incentive structure in this kind of top-down way and men are responding to that right they're like what basically what's the point right so let me read some more of this political future number two quote everything noted above except that with fewer americans working hard to produce needed goods and services the government goes broke reducing once promised entitlements to a trickle in which case what's a better way for today's young man to invest his time earning an expensive university degree or going to work long enough for his brother-in-law the electrician plumber bricklayer carpenter to learn a useful trade Name one novel or movie about some dark economic future where the most privileged male survivors are waving their college diplomas. Absolutely. This is something that I was thinking about that now for anyone really, but I mean, this makes sense with men is that trade is becoming way more valuable. And universities are becoming a massive waste of time for most positions professionally. Yeah. Because now, we said this before, the college degree is the new high school degree. To get a job that you should not need to have a college degree for, you have to have a college degree, which is ridiculous. And there are some trades that university education is extremely necessary and extremely useful. Doctor. Yes. Lawyer. Great example. Indian chief. (laughs) Um, The first two are spot on. So... I lost my train of thought. (laughs) Okay. So I was saying some trades, university education is extremely useful. Right. Some, it is useless, but culturally, there's been a push for everyone to go to college, even if you don't know why or what you're doing there or what you want to do afterwards. People feel they just have to go. And maybe men are realizing that that is a falsehood, that Mm -hmm. you don't have to go to be successful. In fact, there are many other paths towards success that might even be more fruitful for you. Absolutely. Because universities are becoming a massive indoctrination center and they're not teaching as well as they should be for how much money that you're paying. Right. And so maybe these men are waking up and realizing college can be a really massive waste of time and money. And they might just be figuring that out quicker than women are because, and this is something he referenced, it is still a novelty for women to go and get a doctorate in whatever or a master's. That is still a point of pride. And women 
are still being told that a successful career as a woman is a novelty. I don't think this is true, but this does give women the idea that they still feel they have something to prove, even though I don't think they do, but they're being told that the man doesn't want them to achieve. So when they walk out with that master's degree, many women still think they're sticking it to the man. Ironically, they're not. In fact, the universities probably are the man at this point, but I do think that's true for women more than men. There's a bit of a chip on our shoulders still. So the question is, what do we do? Do we do anything? Or are these men want do are these men onto something? One, do women right. follow them? Perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps this is one of the answers. Yeah. I want to answer this in a few different groups. So for men, what do we do? Well, men, men, you should walk away from any institution that doesn't respect you. If this were happening to me, I would have walked away from this too. Every single person listening should go where you are valued and you do not need that kind of negativity in your life, frankly. So you do not have to put up with being devalued and being told that you're toxic and living in an environment that is unnecessarily difficult for you. You don't have to live that way. Many men aren't living that way. I hope that the university system can change, but I fully respect and support these men that are walking away from it. And I fully support and respect the men who choose to stay and fight it as well. But if you walk away, if you choose to stay and fight, men, you are extremely valuable no matter what your university tells you. And the way that you are socialized, the way that you learn is extremely important. You should take up as much space at your university as you want. You pay a lot of money to be there. Don't go and let somebody convince you that you have to be small, no matter what. This gets me into, ladies, what do we do? Ladies, we have to stop taking the bait. It's going to come down to the ladies who are going to be willing to stand up to the teachers when they're telling their male classmates to participate less. If, if at a university setting they tell a man, or in a K-12 through setting they tell a boy, if you're a high schooler or a middle schooler, or even an elementary schooler, if they say to a boy or a man in your class that they need to leave space for you, ladies, and you think that they are saying that purely because of their sex or purely because of your sex, not because of their actions then you need to tell that teacher that I am perfectly comfortable making my own space. Thank you. We do need to stand up for these men in these settings. We do need to stop. I I have fallen into this trap before. When I have felt insecure about myself at a university setting, it is simply too easy to blame it on a man. It is simply too easy. When I feel myself failing to say, well, I wouldn't be failing if it weren't for these men. Women of all stripes are doing this now, and we have to stop. We have to stop and we have to stand up for these men at the university level, especially if you see this happening to somebody, it's, you've got to say something. And especially if they're doing it on your behalf, because a lot of professors, ladies are doing this because they think it will be better for you. They're telling these men to be less participatory because they think it'll be better for you. It won't be better for you. That's the truth. It won't be better for you. I'm not saying if somebody's being a total butthole that they shouldn't be reprimanded, but you know the difference. Everybody listening, you know the difference. And you know when somebody's being reprimanded purely because of their sex. And that is never right. We have to stop it. We would not want it to be happening to us as women. We should never allow it to happen to men. We have to stand up and stop it. It's too easy to do nothing, especially in all of these settings. But in general, ladies, that's what we have to do because it will come down to that. We will have to lead that way. For the universities, I think to the universities, if the education system in general even wants men back, if they want men back, they say men are gone and it's a problem, which is what I'm reading. Universities are saying that. They have to stop trying to change men and change their ways. If K-12 through boys learn differently, then we have to adapt the styles. We can separate classes by gender. We can get more male teachers. Whatever we have to do, we have to try new things. Trying to get boys to be less boyish is is foolish and to equate boyhood and manhood with being bad is mean and it's ridiculous boys girls men women we are different this is something crucial to remember and we need different things to thrive so universities well 
you and our education systems were concerning themselves with how to parse out and define and eliminate manhood, you should have seen these boys and these men for who they are. And you should have valued them and worked with them to create systems where the students are all valued and all students are inspired to be better. This is the call for the education systems and the universities of the future. Is that you need to create a place where all of your students feel valued. And what's interesting is every university is saying that now. Everyone's paying lip service that we want a place where everyone is valued. Well, the secret asterisk is they're saying everyone is valued except for the people that we consider to be oppressors based on our ideology. That is the asterisk at college campuses. They say this is a space for everyone except for you. That has to stop universities or you're going to see all the men leave and you're going to miss them, frankly. Because they're still going to do great things without you. They don't need you. You probably need them way more than they need you. (sighs) Anything you want to add, Cha? No, I mean, why say no? (laughs) No, yeah, no. No, yeah, well. Millennial thing. Such a millennial thing. No, just a couple things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I really hope that this all comes down to that we like generally culturally societally we come to each path each moment in our lives each season season of our lives with more compassion yeah for people who are not like us whether it is our sex whether it is our culturally or where they were born how much money they have right socioeconomic size doesn't matter like really what could change the world to, to quote the great ed sheeran we could change the whole world in a moment with love, love with you. compassion. I love you, Ed. Right? I really do. It really, love Ed to, to think about that is really quite mesmerizing to think that the power that we have, I mean, this is something that is deeply spiritual, is there is power of life and death in the tongue. And this has all come from that. Yeah. I think this whole issue with um, the demasculization of our culture you know also something i wanted to address is i said at the beginning kind of jokingly and because i was joking but it's also quite serious that a lot of men have asked me when am i going to talk about men i think that comes from a really very vulnerable and real place that i think men have felt largely abandoned in their struggles and it's very easy for me to it would be very easy for me to continue to abandon men in their struggles because they don't apply directly to my life. Well, they do because I love men and I might give birth to a boy. <laughs> we just don't know. Right. But I I do think it's important that I'm glad men that you've been saying those things to me. Some of you have been a little too sassy, albeit, but I'm glad <laughs> that you've been saying, Hey, I have these struggles. I have these places that are, um, vulnerable. I have these ways that I am being a- attacked even and that I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that because I think it's going to take all of us standing up for the innate humanity of each other because right now what we're seeing is that at the university level, at the school level, at the human cultural level here, we are denying the humanity of each other based on really immutable characteristics and we're asking people like especially with men we're telling men that because of being a man that they're bad and they have to keep themselves in check just their mere existence needs to be in check and I personally feel there are too many times in my life I've allowed somebody to say that to a man and not put myself in their shoes and realized how deeply hurtful that is to say that who you are immutably is bad is bad yeah i mean how can we expect men to thrive men to rise above some of the challenges to, to take their place in their families and absolutely in their communities when they're when we told constantly they're bad tear them down we just constantly it's crazy and we constantly tear them down and and i personally feel in my university setting i didn't do enough for yeah. men i just didn't and I, yeah. I wish I had, and I can't take that back. I can't go back and fix that. But I do think that it's been too easy to scapegoat men 
for everything. And I, I'm sorry for that. I think I've personally participated in that. I'd like to change that. And I'm sorry. I should have stood up more, especially at my university. And if you're listening and you're at a university, I'd love for you to not have to regret after your university feeling like, you know, there were too many times that I just let somebody look at a a man and say, check your privilege for no reason other than that they were being nasty, basically. And I'm talking the person who told them to check their privilege was being nasty. Or too many times that men in a classroom were told by a teacher that they're taking up too much space and I didn't challenge that and say, what does that even mean? What a, a demoralizing thing to say. I should have. And if you're listening, you should. I think it will help us all. Basically, what I learned doing this episode and what I knew before, but now I have words for is that masculinity is not a punishable offense. And an education, education itself cannot be a strictly girl's sport. Basically, we need to judge people individually. And in education, we have to inspire each person individually to do their best. The battle of the sexes that we're in, it's not sustainable. We have to be allies for each other. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And remember, treat everyone with kindness and never treat what looks right for what is right. everybody thanks so much for joining us this week we were super glad you were here as always you can follow us on facebook and instagram at something burger podcast and on twitter at s burger podcast if you have any questions you can email us at somethingburgerpodcast at gmail.com and please let us know what you think drop us a review five stars if you're loving us but regardless just let us know how are you liking it what would you like to hear more of thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.